Well, hey, welcome. It's so glad to see you. My name is Jeff Hughes. I'm one of the pastors here. We're going to dive right into the Word of God from this moment while you're still standing. So if you have a Bible and want to grab it and make your way to the book of Luke or your mobile device or whatever you read the Word of God on, we'll also have it projected on the screen. As you're making your your way there, let me just say welcome to those of you joining us uh, through our live stream over in the sanctuary. Also, we've got a group up in the courtyard and cafe and auditorium area of the 180 building. Also, there's a handful joining us live right now all over the world online through our broadcast as well. So um, not to neglect those of you in the room right now, but hello to everyone. So uh, let's get started with Luke chapter 14. Open our hearts to what God has to say to us this morning. A man was giving a large banquet. He invited many. At the time of the banquet, he sent his slave to tell those who were invited, come because everything is now ready. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a field and must go and see it. I asked that you would excuse me. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. I asked that you excuse me. And another said, I just got married. Therefore, I'm, I'm unable to come. So the slave came back and reported these things to the master. Then in anger, the master of the house told his slave, go out quickly into the streets, the alleys of the city. And bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind and lame. And the slave said, what you have ordered has been done and there's still room. Then the master told the slave, go out into the highways and the lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. For I tell you, not one of these men who were invited will enjoy my banquet. May God open our hearts today to the message that he has for each and every one of us. Now, before you have a seat, I want you to tell two people, we got to go to the highways and then have a seat. Have you ever wondered what the world that we live in would look like if emotional and spiritual wounds were physically visible? What if we could see what people look like on the inside? Sure, we have a lot of people among us who are physically injured, but many of them have adjusted very, very well to our culture. But I think a whole lot more people are actually wounded on the inside than the outside. And I think that if these wounds were visible, I think that we would be shocked to see how deep and serious many of them are. You know, some people are really, really good at hiding things that rip their guts out, aren't they? In fact, some of the happiest people that I've met and and maybe happiest people you've met according to outer standards are, are often some of the most hurting on the inside. There's some right here in this room this morning who, who have some serious hurts and wounds in their life that, that have never, ever been addressed. Abusive childhood, devastating divorce, a lifetime of feeling abused and neglected, abandoned, left alone, feeling like nobody wants them or cares about them. I can only imagine the hurt. Here's another question for us. What if we just just made it known to God that we're going to officially ask him to use us to make a difference in the world even when we don't know what he would do with us? What if we did that? What if we just officially made it known to him and said, God, use us? What if we really did believe that verse that is said so often when we are afraid that greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world? What if we believe that because it actually has a deeper implication for us? Because when we look at people who don't know Christ, we often don't believe that verse anymore, that greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. When we look at inviting someone who doesn't know Jesus to come to church with us or sharing our life with them in an intentional way, oftentimes that verse applies in other areas, but we don't let it sink in here. 
What if we looked at an empty seat that's nearby us right now? Go ahead and do that. Find an empty chair near you. What if we looked at an empty chair that's around us and we somehow developed a conviction that somebody needs to be sitting in that seat? That that seat is a place where someone could be sitting right now. And perhaps we could be used by God to help fill that seat. What would happen if we began to think about an empty seat in that way? You know, church people naturally form an attachment to seats, don't we? It's right. You know, we can joke around about this as a pastoral staff that you can almost check attendance in who's here by just scanning the room from left to right. By just looking out here, you can go, oh, yep, they made it. Oh, yep, they're good. Oh, they brought somebody with them. Oh, they're gone. Oh, they moved two seats over. Oh, they haven't seen them in a while, but that's their seat. Sometimes we get in a conversation and someone will be describing um, how, you know, something with pastoral care, how maybe someone had a death in the family and, and they say a name and I'm awful with names, but it's something that I'm working on. I want to get better at. And they'll say, oh, you know, they sit in, in that, that second section. If you're looking this way, about six rows back, about three seats in and I'll go, oh, yeah, I know what you're talking about. I know exactly what you're talking about. It happens. I heard a story recently of a church that was gathering for worship, similar like we are here this morning. And in the pre-service, slides are scrolling on the screen to tell you some announcements of things. There's a a countdown that's kind of letting you know, hey, things are going to begin in two minutes or whatever. There's a family of four sitting together and they're waiting on the first song and and guy feels a tap on his shoulder and looks back, sees four people standing there. The gentleman says these words to the man sitting down. Excuse me, but you are in our seats. You're going to have to find another place to sit for this service because these are our seats. Huh. Now that did not happen, to my knowledge, right here at Union Chapel in Muncie, Indiana. It did happen in another state, in another church, and it is a true story. But perhaps we could have that same scenario happen. I would hope not. But perhaps. But what's happened is we've, we've allowed our idea of seats in other places in the world to come into our church. And I believe with all of my heart that, that if we want God to use us to impact the world around us, that we've got to learn to evaluate the way we think about our seats. You see, over the next five, six weeks, there will be hundreds of people who come to this church that have never been here before ever and so I believe that God wants us to think in a different perspective and how you think about your very own seat makes a difference did you know that it's a very serious thing for a believer to cause someone else to stumble or turn away from God it is it's a very serious thing for a believer to cause someone to stumble or turn away from God and and sometimes we don't think about things like that we don't We just go through life so active, just so fast-paced. We just go through the motions of things. But we've got to change the way we think. And the idea is we carry this attitude that comes from the movie theater or the airplane with us when we come and sit in service. Have you ever been to uh, the movie theater? And, well, I'll give you an example. When my wife and I go to the movie, we are praying, please, God, do not let anybody sit in this entire theater. We're early, we're kicked back with, with popcorn and, and water, got our feet propped up, maybe not, but enjoying that space. Please, God, let the whole theater be empty. This is awesome. This would be so great. Now we're 15 minutes early, probably. In, co- in comes a couple. The door opens. Light shines in, and I begin to go, please, God, please, 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 God, please. I'm praying more fervently in that moment. Please let them, okay, they're going to be in the theater. I get it. All right, they're already in. Let them sit as far away as possible. And then they walk to my section. Then they walk to my row. Then they walk down my row. And they sit right next to me. And I go, (laughs) God, why? I was praying. Or you get on an airplane. There are two prayers I pray when I get on an airplane. The first is I pray, God, please let the pilot who's in control of this bird 
not have been doing anything in the last 24 hours that would affect his judgment for how he flies this plane and let us get where we're going safely. Prayer number one. Prayer number two. God, if there are any empty seats in this entire plane, please let them be to my right and to my left. If I'm traveling for business alone without my family, of course. Please let them be right next to me. Doesn't happen very often. We pray those prayers, don't we? But here we are in church. And we say that we want to see people come to know Christ. In fact, we say we want to reach a city and we want to reach a world. Be loving and caring about every single person. Here we are in church and our teams have been praying and preparing for this very moment. For weeks and months, our worship teams, our children's department have been writing curriculum and getting leaders to lead and disciple and teach your young ones right now. Our ushers are at the door. All of the extras in the church are covered. The the coffee bar, the cafe, everything was working and ready for you. People all over this place have been praying and preparing for you to come. Maybe you don't know this, but on Tuesday morning, I don't know where you were at 11 o'clock, but our staff were praying for you every single one of you. That not only would God meet you in that moment, but that God would speak to you through this week and prepare your heart to be fertile soil to hear this message dropped in. Not from me, but from God. And so people all over this place have been praying and preparing, but then it's likely that we have another group of folks who carry the attitude from the movie theater or the airplane. And when we walk in here, we have that same idea. Please let my section be fairly empty so I can have a direct seat and see everything on the stage. Please let me have some elbow room so nobody's in my row so I can have a place to set my cup of coffee. Please let the parking lot be fairly empty and and if we go past a certain time in the first service, oh man, that's going to be challenging. And, and please, God, let my child's nursery room be fairly empty today. Let there be no children over in the nursery so when I go to pick up my child from their classroom, I don't have to wait for 60 seconds. They, they deliver them directly to me. So please, God, don't let any children show up and be in our nursery or in our children's ministry because I don't want to have to wait the time I have to wait for them to be picked up. Sure. There's this tug of war that goes on, back and forth, back and forth, between our parking space, waiting for our kids in the nursery or childcare or our children's ministry. There's tug of war. We say we want people to come to know Jesus. We say we want to reach all people all over our city and all over our world. But there's a tug of war back and forth. We've got to change the way we think, particularly about our seats. I've got to say this because, well, when I prayed, God, what do you want me to say? He said this. So here it is. If the only people that you really care about are your friends and family members who already share your own beliefs and your worldview, you are much further from God than you really think. The Bible talks about this he says, our people who are far from God often don't realize that they're far from God. The Bible illustrates this with a man named Samson. Maybe you're familiar with Samson. Maybe you've been to a place where someone uh, outlined a story for Samson. He had this, this long hair, and, and the story of Samson goes like this. God said that he'd have this great strength, but if he cut his hair, then he would lose his strength. So what did he do? He, he told his girlfriend the source of his strength. She wanted to find out what would weaken him. Samson, you have this great strength. Where does it come from? Well, God told me that, that if I ever cut my hair, I'll lose my strength. Well, not only did she want to know that, she wanted to experience that. And so let's pick up the story. We'll put this on the screen. Judges 16, verse 20. We'll see what his wonderful girlfriend did for him. Then she cried, Samson, the Philistines are here. This is after she cut his hair during his sleep. Samson, the Philistines are here. He awoke from his sleep. He said, I will escape as I did before and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. 
He did not know that the Lord had left him. Even though he was fully awake and now back in control of his faculties, aware of what was going on, he couldn't tell that God was no longer with him. It was too late. He had drifted from God. And that's what happens to some of us. We drift away from God and we don't realize it until a moment. And then we realize the Lord is not with me. The Lord's not with me in this. The Lord doesn't bless this attitude. The Lord doesn't honor this perspective. The Lord doesn't like this. And we have to make a change. You see, even though you are fully submitted, even your life is fully submitted to Christ, you're following him in many, many ways, it's still very possible to have a completely messed up way of thinking. Very possible. It's very possible that a particular area you're thinking is just off from what God wants it to be. And some of us have a messed up way of thinking when it comes to our seats or our perspective of church. Some people say, you know what, I I don't care what any pastor tells me, I'm just going to push back on this. I'm here voluntarily and I understand that, but I'm just going to think any way I want to do. I'm just going to think about this in any way that I want. Okay, maybe that's you. Perhaps you're sitting here thinking that right now in this very moment. Let me share this with you. Some people in our world actually believe that wrong thinking is okay. Some people actually believe that wrong thinking is okay. Let me go a little deeper with that. Wrong thinking will actually make you and others around you, you and others around you, a prisoner to some form of oppression in your life. It will enslave you. If you're thinking in a way that God doesn't want you to think, it's contrary to God's word. If you're thinking and have a perspective that's opposite to what God wants, you will be enslaved by some form of oppression. And God wants every one of us this morning to be set free. So no matter if it's the the idea I'm talking about, or maybe it's another idea that you know God's thinking, God's perspective is this, but I'm just going to have wrong thinking and I'm going to do this, You have now made yourself willingly a slave to the oppression that will exist in your life until you come around the idea of what God wants for your life, no matter what it is. When I show compassion to someone else's kid, it opens the door for God to show compassion to my kid through somebody else. You cannot isolate yourself on this planet. You cannot isolate yourself and walk with God in the same way. The things you do, the seeds you plant, the attitudes that you hold, the perspective that you have on life, they all make a difference and they'll all come back on you. The seeds you plant, they will make a difference. And we have to know that if we want God to work in our life, we have to be willing to be a tool to work in someone else's life. When it comes to seats, Jesus Christ has some very specific things to say about them. Let's look at Luke 14. You'll see this in your outline. We read it earlier. Let me unpack this for a moment. A man was giving a large banquet. He invited many, sent his slave to tell those who were invited, come, everything is ready. So you see this part. But without exception, they all began to make excuses. The first one said to him, I bought a field. I must go and see it. I ask that you excuse me. Now, wait a minute. You bought a field and you haven't even looked at it? That's an excuse. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to try them out. You've got to excuse me. What a weak excuse. The reality is this guy just didn't want to come. He made a flimsy excuse because he didn't want to come to the banquet. Another said, I just got married. Therefore, I'm unable to come. Well, we all know what's going on here, right? His wife is already making all the decisions in his young marriage. It's already started for this young fellow. But the slave comes back and he reports this. He says this to the master. In anger, the master of the house told the slave, go quickly into the streets and alleys of the city and bring in here the poor, the maimed, the blind, and the lame. So the slave responds and says to the master this, what you have ordered has, still been, has already been done and there's still room. 
Then the master tells the slave, go out, go out into the highways, go out into the lanes and make them come in so that my house will be filled. For I tell you, not one of these men who were invited, not one who were invited will enjoy the banquet. So God wants his house to be full. He wants the seats to be full. I want you to think about that empty seat that you identified in just a moment somewhere around this room. That empty seat is a serious matter. Here's why. Because it's an opportunity for us as a family of God to reach someone who does not know Jesus. To reach someone who is far from God. To reach someone who is not connected to a local church where they can find the love and grace that God offers. And I just believe this to the core of who I am as a person. I believe that the road that we walk to follow Jesus, the road that God paved for us with his son Jesus, I believe that it's big enough for every single person to walk on. I believe there's more room for people to walk that road to Christ than the people who are already on it. But so many times we put up a road close sign. While we're walking the road to God, we're walking along with Jesus, right behind us, we drop down the road closed sign and we're not willing to bring anybody with us. And that's a shame. That's a shame. We ought to be doing something about that. An empty seat is a serious, serious matter. So let's go back to this parable for a moment. This parable makes it clear that it's our responsibility, not the master's responsibility to fill the house. You see, in this parable, we are not the master Oh yeah, we like to put ourselves as the master in the parables, right? Because if there's a higher place in a parable, we want it. Hate to break it to you. We are all the servant in this parable. And it says the responsibility is on the servant to fill God's house. It's up to us. It's the responsibility of God's people to fill his house. It's my job. It's your job. It's our collective responsibility as a family. And this is not a responsibility that you can just pray away. Maybe you say, well, I'm just going to be one of those prayer people. I'm just going to pray that God will fill the seats. And if God wants the seats full, then they'll be full. You are not just a prayer. I am not just a prayer. Now, thank the Lord for people in our church who are committed to prayer because it makes a difference. We should all be praying. But we need to move from praying that God would fill his house, praying that people in our city that don't know the love of Jesus would come to know the love of Jesus, praying that and also taking a step of action to do something about that because we all have a responsibility and an empty seat is a serious matter. Because it represents a person that could come into God's house and hear of his great love for us. Aren't you glad someone invited you? I am. I'm glad someone invited me to a relationship with Jesus. But there are people within your reach that I can't touch. There are people in your sphere of influence that I will never know and our pastoral team will never know. The person sitting five seats away from you has a different sphere of influence than you do. And you have a different sphere of influence than the person sitting 10 rows behind you. We all know people who need to know Jesus. And as a family of God, as we walk the road of following Jesus and pursuing God's plan for us, it's our responsibility to bring them along on the road, to bring them along and say, there's a place and there, greater than that, is a God who loves you, who sent his son, Jesus Christ. And that's good news. Now, I know some of you are sitting here this morning and you might say, well, you know, I just don't have that gift. It's just not my gift. It's not my gift to be invitational. I just kind of, I live my own faith privately and I'll pray a little bit, but it's not my gift to reach people, to invite people to come to church. You say, there's people gifted for that, and we'll let them do that work, and I'll just do the other work that I do. Well, can I tell you the people who are gifted in this? Can I tell you who they are? Most of these are people who only recently came to know Christ. And you know why they seem to have a gift? It's because they still know a lot of sinners. 
It's their world. You know, when we come to Christ in the very beginning, we, we often know a lot of people who aren't connected to church, a lot of people who aren't saved, a lot of people who haven't had a relationship with, with Jesus before. After a while, we begin to develop these new friendships, new relationships, and we walk with people of God. And that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. But as time goes by, we become insulated and isolated from people in our world who need to know Jesus. People in our world who need to know that there's a local church right here in Muncie who cares about them. We're insulated and isolated from that. And we live in this safe and secure place and don't deal anymore with people who don't know Christ unless we have to. We choose to go to the Christian dry cleaner, the Christian mechanic, the Christian restaurant, the Christian fellowship circle, the Christian euchre club. And listen, these things are not bad things, but if we only attend these things and only go to these things and isolate ourselves from anybody in our world who doesn't know Jesus and is not plugged into a local church, we will not be able to reach people with the love of Jesus. And aren't you glad someone did that for you? I know I am. I know I am. Very thankful for that. But after a while, we get to a place where we don't know any people who need to know Christ. Not one. Because we're insulated and isolated. Which means, as we learn from this parable, that we have to go out into the highways, out into the lanes, by being intentional. You see, being intentional, being invitational requires us to be intentional and purposefully start looking for people who need to know Christ. We've got to purposefully look for people who need to know Jesus and not just see these people and go, okay, there's a few people who don't know, know Christ that are in my sphere of influence, in my business, in my company, in my school, in some place where I associate through the week. Not just see them and know that they don't know Christ or that they're not plugged into a local church, but be willing to do something about it. Be willing to do something about it. That's the first step. And part of the reason we don't do well with this is we concentrate our efforts on people just like us, who believe just like us, who do things just like us, who are already attending a small group with us at church, who are already sitting with us at church. Let's look at Luke 14, 12 to 14. We'll see what God's word says about this. When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, or your rich neighbors, because they might invite you back and you would be repaid. On the contrary, when you host a banquet, invite those who are poor, maimed, lame, and blind. And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. Now listen. This verse is not instructing us that you can't have your family over for dinner. That's not what it's saying at all. It's not saying you can't have a, a gathering, a get-together with friends and, and a small group of people who belong to the church and who are following God. That's, that's not what this is saying in one bit. But what it is saying is that if you want to reach people, you cannot expect to reach people if the only people you invite to come to church or the only people you uh, navigate life with and try to intersect your life with theirs in a meaningful way, if the only people you do that with are people who are just like you, you're missing out on what God is saying. People who cannot pay you back. Now, as you may know, I've served here at Union Chapel and 180 for the last 15 years. And one of the reasons that I believe so strongly in youth ministry and in children's ministry is because this is ministry to people who not only can't pay you back, but most of the time don't even say thank you. If you have a child or youth in your home, you know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. But listen. Reaching people who cannot pay us back is something that Union Chapel is all about. It's a part of our DNA. It's who we are. Because every single time we reach out and reach people who can't pay us back, God picks up the tab. My mentor told me that years and years ago. I was a high school student. They said, Jeff, if you'll be serious about ministry to your friends who cannot pay you back, 
people who don't, don't have anything they could give you, if you'll be serious about that, reaching people who can't pay you back, then God will pick up the tab. And I've seen that happen time and time again. But we've got to learn to make investments in people who not only can't pay us back, but probably, most likely, won't even say thank you. Because in the middle of that, God changes lives, he touches people's hearts, and people come to know Jesus. Let me brag on our middle school and high school students for a moment. As you heard just a few moments ago, 14 young people gave their life to Christ right here in this room last Sunday. I am, I'm so impressed with our middle school and high school students because they have heard messages like this and they don't just let it go in one ear and out the other, but they, they take heart to this idea and they walk in their school hallways and they say, you know what? Why don't you come to 180 with me this Sunday? There's going to be a lot of fun things. We're having this strongman team. There's going to be some free food. We're going to sing some songs together. Um, you can sit with us. We'll save you a seat. You can sit with my friends. You can hang out with us after. We can shoot hoops together or play in the 180 backyard or all the other games. Come on with us, man. It'll be a great time. They're invitational. You see, if our... If our room last Sunday was only people who knew Jesus, we would have missed an opportunity. But you see, I believe that as a church, if every one of us will adopt the mindset, the idea that our middle school and high school students have about seeing people in their school hallway or in the activities that they take part in through the week, seeing them and actually caring enough about them to say, hey, why don't you come with me? Come with me to church. And many, many of those students are making their way from coming to 180, giving their life to Jesus, and sitting in our weekend services right now because I see your faces right now. It's awesome. Youth are not the only place where this applies. As a church, if we will continue to reach people who cannot pay us back, then God will pick up the tab. He's done it before. He will do it again. And we will see him do it right here in our church in the coming weeks. I'm excited about it. We're praying for it. We're not stopping at praying for it. We're mobilizing our teams to make a difference. So let me go back to Luke 14 for a moment. Why do you think these guys didn't come to the banquet? Three guys who made pretty miserable excuses for why they weren't going to come to this banquet. Why didn't they come? They weren't hungry. They weren't hungry. They had other priorities in their life and they were not hungry. Church, it's time for us to find people who are hungry and invite them to come and feast at this banquet that God offers for us. To come and be a part of a local church where, where you don't have to have it all together. In fact, welcome to the family. We're all broken and messed up. Come on. We're just trying to follow Jesus on this road. But there's room on the road for more people. And there's definitely people within our reach who don't know Christ. So let's not put up the do not enter sign. Let's not put up the road close sign. Let's reach a handout and say, come on, come with me. Be a part of this. God wants to use us to reach people who are hungry and he wants his house full. And he'll do that when we become invitational and we begin to see with a new perspective that an empty seat is a serious matter. Because it represents a person who needs to know Jesus. Last week, Pastor Greg talked to you about our big push. Big push is an annual thing here at Union Chapel. And we want to share a short video with you that will celebrate last year and tell you what we're about to do in a couple weeks. Check this out. In the fall of 2013, Union Chapel dared Muncie to dream of what they wanted to do with their life. Through interactive blackboards, we explored the idea of what our community wanted to do before they died. We had 25 blackboards available throughout Muncie and we gave out thousands of lemon shakeups to engage in this question of what we wanted to do before we died. During this campaign, we saw 400 newcomers at Union Chapel the very first weekend. We also saw 200 people make a decision to follow Jesus Christ with their life during the series. And we are still hearing stories of how God used this in people's lives. You might not have realized it, but the Before I Die series was Union Chapel's very first big push. 
So what's a big push? It's when we take a few weeks and we leverage all of our efforts and our resources into reaching the people of Muncie. We design everything from the sermon series to the creative elements to be welcoming and engaging to first-time guests. A lot of people think that the big push is just about billboards and yard signs and a lot of advertising, but it's really about mobilizing people just like you to reach their friends and family with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Last year during our big push, we saw a fire spark in our congregation. We saw the excitement in your eyes when you took steps of faith to invite your friends, your family, and your coworkers to Union Chapel. And we are excited to announce that we're going to be starting another big push titled Upside Down. We believe our culture has settled for a normal that isn't working. People are drifting through their lives, waiting for things to get better, waiting for a change. But this isn't how God wants us to live, and He wants to turn these broken situations upside down. This might seem like a tall order, how do families change? How do lives change? They change one moment at a time. And God wants to use you to bring his message of hope into the life of someone who desperately needs it. We believe that one moment can turn someone's life completely upside down. Sometimes that moment is as small as an act of kindness. And sometimes it's as big as hearing the news that you're gonna be a parent for the first time. But one moment has the power to change everything. And imagine what it would be like if thousands of times across our city during the big push, people's lives were interrupted with a moment that showed them God's love. The success of the big push isn't dependent on billboards, advertisements, or even church services. It's dependent upon you. People can't hear the good news of Jesus in our services unless you invite them. And accomplishing the vision God has given us requires far more than the status quo. This mission cannot be accomplished simply by sitting in a chair. We must decide today, as a church, to stand up and do whatever it takes to turn Muncie upside down with the love of God. Each of you have a square card that looks like this located in your bulletin. Take a moment to pull that out if you will. The purpose behind us doing a big push is because we believe that it will launch a movement of people rallied around an idea that other people matter. Other people matter. And we believe that this movement will turn Muncie upside down, which you'll see, that's our theme. The theme is upside down. It's not printed wrong on your card. It's supposed to be like that. We want you to use these cards to invite people to be a part of this exciting movement. When you leave today, you're going to get a business card that looks like this. Ushers will hand this to you at the end of our service. This is our upside down moments card. And I want to read to you what it says. It says, I believe one small act of kindness can turn someone's life upside down. Join the effort to change Muncie one upside down moment at a time. And then there's a website where people can go to share their upside down moment. So what you do is you'll get one of these each week when you leave for the next several weeks. But today we want you to take this card. We want you to pray about and begin planning what kind of upside down moments might you do in our community. So an example, you might find uh, some bottles of water and drive around all over town with a few cards. Try to find people out working in their yard or working in some place in our city. Give them a bottle of water. And then you leave this card with them. When they say, what's this about? They can read this and it directs them to go to that website where they can tell about what happened if they choose to, or they can just go to that site. You see, we want thousands, thousands of upside down moments to happen over the course of this four-week series. And I'm really excited about it because not only will you get to go out and do this as a church and, and think creatively and brainstorm as a team or a family or a small group or, or whomever, when you come back to church out in our courtyard, there'll be a big map of our city and surrounding areas and you can grab a push pin and mark the geographical location where your upside down moment happened. 
So remember where these things occur. So when you come back, you can put a pen in there and we can look at that and say, whoa, look at all this. Look at, look at our reach as a family of God because we were willing to all make these moments possible. So this two-week series that starts here this weekend and then goes next weekend is all about making preparations. And I got to tell you something. Next weekend, not only will you get an opportunity to hear from Pastor Greg, but his wife, Beth, is going to be preaching as well. And so I'm really excited about that. You do not want to miss what they have together as a couple to share with our church about what God is doing and what they believe is yet to come for our future. So don't miss next weekend. Right here in this room, there are local farmers who take part in gathering in the harvest all over the state of Indiana. You may not know this, but we have some farmers who actually their reach in the farming world uh, goes well beyond Delaware County. And the first thing they do is they're preparing to, to bring in the harvest is they get their stuff ready. They get their trucks ready. They, they get guys hired. They, they get everything all ready to go. Their machinery's got to be ready. They get everything ready for the purpose of bringing in the harvest because the work all year long leads to the harvest. And if you have a machinery breakdown or something not in order or not ready for the harvest, you can miss everything you've worked for. Did you know that you and I are the equipment that God uses to bring in his harvest? You and I are God's equipment that he uses to bring in the harvest. And he's preparing us. He's preparing us this weekend and next weekend to adjust any attitudes or perspectives that we may have in preparation for the harvest that he wants us to bring in, that he's going to bring in. And it could be that you're sitting here this morning and you realize you need to change the way you think about the seat that you're sitting in right now. Will you make room for someone else? Not by quitting, not by saying, hey, I'm just not going to be there, but by being invitational, by being welcoming, by realizing you may have to move a row or a seat over or join us through our, our live cast in our courtyard, auditorium, or, or in, uh, in our sanctuary. Will you make room for somebody who doesn't know Jesus to come and experience his love? You know, if you're like me, you've got to yield to your better nature in order for this to happen. We've got to yield to our better nature because it's not easy to do. It's not easy. Every believer has a choice if they're going to yield to the spirit of Christ that's within them or if that old man, that old flesh, that thing that lives underneath us that, that we need to kill with the help of, of God and the Holy Spirit is going to rise up and we're going to yield to ourselves instead of God. We yield to, our, our, to God or we yield to ourself. That's all, all there really is. And you've got to decide, and so do I, for every single one of us, which one of those will reign supreme in your life? Which one? Yielding to God and his leadership over your life or letting that old self within you rise up that says, my rights, me, what will it be? Today, I'm going to ask every single one of us to make a decision. I'm going to ask you to make a decision about your seat. This weekend's been really fun because as you've walked in, you've seen stickers all over the room that say, this seat reserved for... We've seen lots of people get really freaked out by this, and it's been really, really fun. Our ushers are going to go ahead and come forward right now, and they're going to give you one of these stickers. They'll also give you a pen to write with if you need one. They're just going to pass a bucket down the row. You take a, a sticker out of there and take a pen out of there if you need one. I'll tell you what we're going to do in just a moment. But it's been fun watching people come in. What's going on? First you put up these ropes, and then you put stickers. What's going on? <laughs> It's all about making room. It's all about making room. So as our ushers make their way through the crowd with these, these stickers, you'll notice, you know, you normally get one of these and it says, hello, my name is dot, dot, dot. You've been to a business meeting or some function where you had one of these and you write your name and you stick it on your shirt. But this one says this seat is reserved for, and they represent seats that will belong to people who you know that don't yet know Jesus or are not yet connected to attending a local church here in our community. 
And so what we want you to do, we want you to take one of these stickers and a name tag as they, as they go through. And I want you to stop and I want you to think about someone you know that doesn't know Christ. Someone you know that doesn't have relationship with God. If you were to ask them if they were on that journey, on that road of following Jesus and having relationship with God or being in community with the local church, that they would say no. They would answer that in a negative way. You know, maybe this is your own son or your own daughter. They've drifted from God and they maybe don't even realize it. They need to come back home. Maybe you work with someone in your profession and they are an absolute jerk. They need to know the love of Jesus and have their abrasive attitude and abusive perspective changed by the love of Jesus. I want you to write a first name or initials or several names on on that card as it goes through. And as they're making their way through, if we could do that quickly, that would be very helpful. You know, some in this room, maybe you're sitting there right now and you're thinking, I, I don't know anybody. I can't think of one single person that doesn't know Christ that I could name their name or describe them in some way. And if that's true for you, listen, I'm not mad at you. I'm not judging you in any way, but I do want to push you and challenge you and say, you've got some work to do in this area. And it is work that is worth doing very serious work as a believer, as someone who follows God, to know people in your life that don't have a relationship with Jesus and are not plugged in to a local church. Because it's time for us to start thinking about somebody else other than the people who already hold our own worldview, who already share our same belief system, and who are already sitting in the row right next to us. So as you get this, I want you to go ahead and write some names or an initial. And then once you're done with that, I want you to just peel the back off of this. I want you to lean forward or stand up and I want you to stick it on your own seat. You see, this morning we are not putting these on empty seats around the rooms today. We are putting these on our own seat. And there's a significance to that. You see, the significance to that is in doing so, we're willing to say, if need be, I'll move over. If need be, I'll choose a new row. If need be, I'll do whatever needs to happen so somebody else can come to know Jesus. Because an empty seat is a serious matter. And people in our city who do not know Jesus and are not plugged into attending a local church is something that we ought to be concerned about and we ought to be actively pursuing them in the same way that God sent someone to actively pursue us and that's Jesus Christ. This is what I'm praying for us here at Union Chapel. And if you're still writing names, still sticking your stickers, feel free to continue to do that. We want you to do that. Here's what I'm praying for us at Union Chapel. I'm praying that every single one of our our regular attendees, the people who are in services week in and, and week out on a regular basis, would become so sensitive to the Spirit of God within them that when you see someone walk in this building that has either never been here before or maybe it's a, a friend who, who is an inviting or introducing you to someone who they brought, you'll be so welcoming, so invitational in that moment that they'll realize that there's something different Not just about the people in this place, but about God. Why would a group of people gather and be welcome and friendly and have a great atmosphere? I mean, you don't walk in Walmart and get introduced to somebody and then be real, real friendly and welcoming or buy you a cup of coffee. Send them to the information desk where we've got a first-time gift packet for them. We want to be welcoming. Not only invitational, but roll out the red carpet because it's what God's done for us. And I'm praying that every single one of us would be alert and aware to know that what we do communicates the love of Jesus in a practical way to people 
And over the next several weeks, we will have hundreds of people here that have never attended our church or maybe are giving church one last shot before they just completely throw in the towel on the whole God thing. College students in the room, maybe you bring a friend and it's an opportunity because they say, you know what, I've been burned by church after church after church. We make a commitment to you as a church. If you bring a college student in this place that's been burned out by God, we will do everything we can to change their perspective with the love of Jesus. Everything we can. Older adults, if you bring somebody to this church with you who does not know Jesus Christ, is not plugged into the life of the church, you introduce them to someone, we will do everything we can to make sure they have a meaningful experience. We will roll out the red carpet to every generation in every way and in every opportunity because it's not okay with me that we close the road to God, which we know is Jesus Christ. There's not a road closed sign there. And so we've got to be invitational. We've got to be welcoming. And let me tell you, church, I'm excited. I am excited about what God is going to do in the next few weeks right here in our church. And all over our city, as we see upside down moments happen and change lives in a practical way. Your prayers make a difference. Your invitations matter. And what we do is significant in turning our whole city upside down. Let's do it together. Stand up with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would help us to make the adjustments that we need to our attitude, to our perspectives, Help us all to yield to our, our better nature, God. Help us to think about our seats and our perspective of the way we do church, of the way we live our lives together. Help us to evaluate that in a way that would honor you and be willing to make changes where needed. Help us to be invitational. Help us to realize that the moments we're given matter. Only so many opportunities. Help us to make the most of everyone Thank you, God, for this church. Thank you that when challenges are issued, our church rises to the occasion because it's all about Jesus. And we thank you. We praise you for that, God. Thank you for this season that we're entering, God, and we pray that you would open up our church to people who are hurting and broken all over our city. And when they come, may we love them with the love of Jesus and help them connect to people who care about them. Open our eyes and help us to realize that an empty seat is a serious matter. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.